Welcome to This Week I Learned, your audio guide to the most surprising discoveries and fascinating studies of the week. I'm your host, Lauren Hansen. And actually, I'm on vacation, so this week's episode is a roundup of some of my favorite fun and interesting facts that I've learned in previous weeks. Enjoy! This week I learned why people in old movies talk so strangely. Well, I'm quite sure that I don't want to walk with you. And I hope you realize that you've made a perfect spectacle of yourself. Have you finished? I... Oh, yes, yes, yes. yes. Like, what's with Katherine Hepburn's accent in Bringing Up Baby? Or any of her other films? Or, for that matter, most American actors in movies from the 30s or 40s? Well, this week I learned that style of speaking actually had a name. It's called the transatlantic or the mid-Atlantic accent. And unlike most accents, which evolve naturally over time, this one was learned. People in the U.S., particularly the upper class and those in theater, were taught to speak this way. East Coast kids in fancy boarding schools actually had classes built around the affectation. The accent has those kind of quasi-British characteristics, you know, the dropped R, the softer vowel, and the clipped T. And the reason why Hollywood was so hot for the unique sound was that it couldn't really be located. It wasn't quite English, and it wasn't quite American. But sometime after World War II, the accent fell out of favor. Teachers stopped the lessons in schools, and Hollywood actors evolved, for the most part, back to their normal way of speaking. And so, trapped in the films and radio programs from the 30s and 40s, that particular way of speaking will forever sound old-timey to us. This week I learned the true origins of the Monopoly game. The story we've been told is that Parker Brothers patented the game in the 1930s and began selling it in 1935. And the man who gets credit for creating the board game is Charles Darrow, an unemployed heating salesman. This is all true, but it's not actually the beginning of the story. Monopoly was actually first invented decades earlier by a woman named Elizabeth Maggie. In the early 1900s, Maggie was an assistant to the economist Henry George, and she came up with the game as an educational tool to explain single tax theory and how bad it can be when concentrated land is owned by private monopolies. Her game was called the Landlord's Game, and it was self-published. She did patent the design on January 5, 1904, so well before Charles Darrow came up with it, but she did end up getting credit from Parker Brothers in the sum of 500 measly bucks. Come on, let's play Monopoly. Cash fund and ritzy property. This week, I learned a few scientifically backed ways to instantly cure your gnarly garlic breath. Garlic breath is a sticky siren. Her taste may be rich and complex, but her stench is, well, not the cutest, and can seem to seep out of your pores, if not also your mouth. Garlic actually has four major sulfur-containing compounds, and when they are ingested, they move into the bloodstream and then out through the lungs and sweat glands. So, if you think you smell like garlic after eating it, you're not paranoid. You really do. But you can help combat and even neutralize those nasty sulfuric compounds three different ways. First, you can eat an apple. 
Fruits like apples that brown when exposed to air contain an oxidating enzyme that deodorizes the sulfur. If you don't have any fruit handy, you can sip some green tea, which is loaded with different but equally helpful neutralizing chemicals called polyphenols. And lastly, if you happen to come across a lemon, you can rinse your mouth out with its juices, like you're using mouthwash after brushing your teeth. Highly acidic beverages destroy the smelly enzyme that is activated when garlic is crushed. This week I learned that it can actually be harmful to have a stench up in space. If you think about it, if you catch a whiff of something down here on Earth, chances are that it will fade. The air naturally dilutes the odor. But astronauts enclosed in the International Space Station don't have the luxury of extra air. The air they go up with is the air they get. If astronauts bring up a new odor into space, it can stick around for months and even years, and that could affect the astronauts' usefulness and even make them sick, which is why NASA hires a team of professional sniffers. A man by the name of George Aldrich is one such sniffer. Here's Aldrich speaking to the Science Channel about his unique job. All the materials that go inside the capsule with the astronauts has to go through certain tests, and so I'm in charge of, of doing toxicity and odor testing. I use my sense of smell for 38 years to uh, smell stuff before it goes into space. What really makes me important to NASA is that I actually use my sense of smell to help protect the astronauts from obnoxious odors in space. George has sniffed everything, from personal items like hats and watches to specialized equipment that might accompany the astronauts on a mission. All this sniffing led me to wonder if astronauts are allowed to fart in space. So I did some digging, and I found that while farting in space isn't the most polite thing to do, it can actually be a more frequent occurrence than on the ground. Because you can't burp in space. I had no idea. Gravity is required to keep the food stuff down and let the gas go up when you burp. And gravity, much like fresh air, is hard to come by in space. And that does it for this week's episode of This Week I Learned. Look out for new episodes every Friday on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about the facts I've mentioned or to check out the week's selection of podcasts, including 7-Minute Opinions and 7-Minute Explainers, go to theweek.com audio. And if you like what you hear, tell your friends, subscribe, or give us a rating or a review on iTunes. I'm Lauren Hansen, and thank you so much for listening. 